felt for me a huge weight lifted. Like I don't actually have to f- figure it all out. I don't have to figure it all out for everybody. As this clip suggests, Anya and I talk about one of the biggest, most oppressive misconceptions about motherhood and what you can do to free yourself from it. Welcome to War Stories from the Womb. This is a show that shares true experiences of getting pregnant, being pregnant, and giving birth to help shift the common cultural narrative away from the glossy depictions of this enormous transition you can find on all kinds of media to a more realistic one. It also celebrates the incredible resilience and strength it takes to create another person and release that new person from your body into the world. I'm your host, Paulette Kamenica. I'm a writer and an economist and the mother of two girls. And boy, did I have trouble with almost every aspect of this transformation. In today's episode, Anya and I talk about how you are not in control and how it can actually be a good thing. How being present makes you better able to respond to needs, including your own, and how the energy you bring into the room and the world has a big impact on both you and your kids. We pick up this week with Anya talking about her feelings stepping into her second birth after the first birth didn't meet any of her expectations or hopes. For sure, and there's someone else involved, right? It's not really just a decision for me and my body. There's a baby there, you know, that what if I make a wrong decision? What if I mess it up? Making the choice for someone else is such a heavy burden, right? That you're, that that you will end up doing a thousand (laughs) times after that. But but this one feels pretty dramatic. I agree. It does. It does. And the loss of control. I had no idea that I really did like to control what my life was like and what my expectations. And up until birth, I think I was able to control enough of my environment, yep. you know, that this was then a shock to more than just <laughs> the birthing well, process. It leaves you with the impression that you have control, which. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Total fallacy. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. yeah. So how much space is there between your son and your daughter? Two and a half years. Okay. So, so does that mean that you had processed all the trauma before you got pregnant again or I thought I had, yeah. Yeah, okay. I had really had the space and the support to sort of grieve that. I did, but I really wanted this vaginal birth, which is so funny to me now because what do you get? A pat on your back? Whoa, you did it that way, right? But at the time, it was super important to me and I had to seek a different doctor and find, actually, I, inter- I then took the lead a bit more and interviewed doctors to say, this is what I want. And I found an amazing doctor who I was surprised even was there at the birth. That was seemed so uncommon here that he was like, I will be there. And he, he fought for me because really he was feeling very strongly that we should, we were very quick to move. He thought it was going to have to be another C-section because she just did not want to come out after hours and hours. It feels Wait, like. So you get pregnant easily again? Yes. Yeah. Was and, the decider. Yeah. Is the pregnancy similar? Does it feel the same? It, I think because you then have a toddler, everything yeah. felt sort of that. I, I, the sickness lasted longer in this one and t- tiredness. And I had the swelling, like the ankle, the feet and, and that kind of thing happening with her, which I didn't have with my son. And so that part was different slightly. It was really, I just remembered that one. And I hit many mums when you've got another before I could rest when I want to rest. And now I had yeah. somebody who's like, let's go to the park. Yeah, yeah, totally different. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a C-section for my first, and for a variety of reasons, I chose to have a C-section again the second time around. And my doctors were relieved when I told them I would not be trying for a VBAC. 
Absolutely. It, yeah, I remember sort of really having to seek out and ask people and try to find out, you know, that uh, I wanted this. A VBAC was a much harder procedure to gain access to 20 years ago. It wasn't exotic or anything. In the 1970s, C-sections really took off. And with them, the idea that once you had a C-section, every other birth had to be a C-section. And then there was pushback against this idea in the 80s, and VBACs became more common. And then there was a reaction to the pushback. I found a couple of articles in medical journals that suggested that in the late 90s into the early 2000s, the VBAC rate was on a steep decline. To give you an idea of that decline, one study that looked at VBAC rates across eight academic centers in the U.S. found a rate of 28.3% in 1996 and 9.2% in 2004. These declines are attributed to a complicated mix of things like perceptions that VBACs weren't safe, changes in hospital policies, and shifts in the health of birthing people. Anya faced the challenge of finding help with this procedure in Canada, not the U.S., but it looks like these trends extended across the border. I'll link to the articles about the U.S. and Canadian rates of VBACs in the show notes if you're interested. And then I did start to advocate for myself. I, you know, having been through it, at least you have a bit more of an idea. Still, there's no yeah. control. We get that. But it was, yeah, a different sort of setup. But for her, I remember going in to the hospital. It was a different hospital. I had said, oh, I do want epidural right from the beginning. No, no fighting this this time. It's like, go for it. And my husband was there saying, oh, but she just like a small dosage or something. And I nearly smacked him. I went, no, just whatever you give on the full effect. <laughs> why is he Why is he standing he in the thought, way of the He drugs? thought that I, I would have wanted it to still be in the birth, okay. like more of the feeling of it, that he, he, he felt that maybe last time having the epidural, it stopped my body working okay. the same way. Okay. Is what my I, I, I think. And so I ended up pushing a long, long time for her, and they ended up having to use the vacuum thing on her yeah. head. <laughs> it's yeah. not called a vacuum to hold her down. And then, yeah, that was funnily enough, recovering from that birth took a lot longer than the C-section one. And I don't know oh, whether because I had two people there, but I, I had really bad, I tore really bad and then had to have those stitches. And yeah, that was a, uh, from my memory. <laughs> at, at the time, did the birth feel like a triumph? Like now yes. I've done eventually. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, it's nice <laughs> that you, what you focus on, right? I, I know, but it's nice that you focus on this thing and it worked out and then you felt satisfied, right? Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That, that was, yeah, very much so. And felt very blessed to have a little girl and then was very much, we are done. Let's get a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So you suggested earlier that that birth was followed by a postpartum depression or so yeah. what, what, how did that look different? And, and what did you notice? A lot of crying, a lot of crying. Everything felt very overwhelming. I don't know how in my head I was able to, but I was still working at our business and I was still going backwards and forwards and I would go to work, come back and nurse and then go back to work and my wow. husband would be home with the kids and I just was in my head, I cope, I am one of those women, we just cope, we can manage it all, you know, and as a detriment to myself. And yeah. so I did eventually go to see a doctor 
And I cannot recall the drug, but she really didn't particularly listen to me that I had just had a baby and that I had a toddler at home and she was quick to prescribe me something and I I didn't take it. It was some very strong addictive something or other. And so I, I kind of sorted it out a little bit by myself, if you call it sorting out, like I just was able to let it as much as possible happen the tears and things and the change my body was pretty big for that one I had gained quite a bit of weight I felt very like moving a bit tricky I also felt you know I breastfed both of them and I definitely felt for my second child that it was it felt more of a chore because I've got things to do now yeah. <laughs> I couldn't just sit and adore her lovely face I was like oh, breastfeeding as you as any mum right walking around doing stuff that kind of thing that sounds tricky so how how long would you say the postpartum lasted? I think a good five, six months. Okay. Yeah, after. And then, yeah, I bet for, in my recollection, I was, she was about three, two, three months old when I went to the doctor. And then it was just, yeah. Yes, that's what I would say. Uh, I would also say probably 20 some odd years ago, postpartum depression was so not uh, a thing we talked about or recognized that, I can imagine your doctor not focusing on it because yeah. it just wasn't a thing for us, right? It wasn't. That's very true. That was very true. And I remember her being a young doctor because my, my original doctor wasn't there or something. And I just, I remember feeling kind of shamed by it a little too. And a little more like, oh, well, you know, here, take this. And then, and I remember saying to them, but this is pretty addictive. And really, I probably if she had just listened and made me a cup of tea and said, you know, oh God, yeah, that is a lot. No wonder. Yeah, yeah. Would have would have made a difference. Wow. So postpartum depression has existed as long as women have been having babies, but how we as a society handle it has changed over time. One of the first times I'd heard about postpartum depression was in 2005 when the actress Brooke Shields publicly shared her struggle with postpartum depression and this admission in her book, Down Came the Rain, and on TV was met with a range of reactions. I'm relaying this strange story in part because it's only been 20 years and I can't imagine this happening today. So weirdly, this story includes Tom Cruise, top, top Gun Tom Cruise. Shortly after Brooke Shields was in the news sharing her experience, Tom Cruise went on the Today Show and criticized the actress for taking drugs. He got really heated about it and said all kinds of things, including that there was no such thing as chemical imbalances that needed to be corrected with drugs and that depression could be treated with exercise and vitamins. And then Brooke Shields responded and it was a whole thing. A very weird cultural moment that sort of illustrates that Anya experienced postpartum depression at a time when it wasn't openly discussed like it is today. Yeah, yeah. so you get over the postpartum period you get, out, mm -hmm. you get over the depression and everything and you decide no more kids we're not having six yeah yeah I I was completely overwhelmed with parenting we incredibly so and I I came pretty cocky into the situation having been a nanny yeah I know what to do and I so was not prepared for the full on Fear, why am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Needs of a child constantly, you know, 24-7 needing you, needing something from you. I found it super, super overwhelming. And I was so thoroughly enmeshed in there with my children, which is not a healthy place to be, <laughs> you know, now, you know, for either of us. 
And so, yeah, that sort of changed a lot of, of my awareness of myself. I did feel incredibly goddess-like having been able to make and bring children into the world. There was something felt in myself, my femininity, my confidence in myself, my mother bear. I didn't know that was going to come out so strong, but I really believed only I could be the best person for them. <laughs> no one else could watch them or be with them. And, I, you know, with work and running our own business and all these things, I just, I didn't think to ask for help. I didn't know if that was an option. I didn't want to be vulnerable enough. I believed I can do it all. That's so interesting, given that you were a nanny for someone else, right? Yeah. 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 And a very judgmental nanny. I'm a great nanny. I was really good with the kids and fun and playful, that kind of thing. But I really was like, oh, the reason your children are being this is because I was so hard on the mums. Yeah. Dad's not, because in my generation, that's what, you know, the focus was all the mums and the martyrdom of mum motherhood and giving it all up. And for your children, it should all be about the children. And I say it sarcastically now, because to me, that is one of the biggest misconceptions from birth right through to raising them, that that's, it, it shouldn't all be about the children. We, we, parenthood, motherhood, from I can't talk about fatherhood, is all about me, actually. So uh, this this feels like a bit of the magic. Why don't you lay some yogi parenting coach <laughs> on us and let us know what you would have done for younger Anya? What what could you have told younger Anya to make this road yeah. easier? Yeah, great question. First of all, really bring kindness into the picture. Kindness for myself. I would have told myself that it's okay to ask for help. You do not have to do it all. And the yogi side would be, you know, how about you just stand still a minute before you respond, before all those emotions that, you know, you're like a emotional coach to your child, right, as they're growing up, and I would take it all on, and I'd feel it so much in my body, and my body would carry theirs and mine and my husband's and societies and lives. And sometimes just pausing and taking a big breath can really change how you respond to something, you know, how really seeking help and support and asking for it is actually a superpower rather than not. And then the real underlying part is our kids are super, super wise. They do not need us to figure it all out for them. We have our wisdom, but they, if we're trusting our intuition, if we're being present in our body, if we are using that beautiful life force of breath in different ways to bring us to this present moment, you see things differently. I'm running ahead busy, busy, busy the whole time, right? Between work and this, and I can cope and I can do. And my own personal self was completely neglected. I didn't know who I was anymore. I was so meshed in, oh, I'm his mom and his, her mom and these kind of things and kind of realizing that their wisdom of their own life experiences actually has nothing to do with me. So lean back. So Anya writes about the relationship between yoga and her parenting life in her book. With respect to the yoga part, she writes, many of us unconsciously lean forward thinking we are aligned. So many of us walk and sit leaning into life. Many are racing forward, leaning into other people's business. We lead with our chin rather than our heart. And then she goes on to write, all of this relates to parenting. We are in our children's lives. We are leaning so far into them that there's no space for them or us to breathe fully. 
We're in charge of everything about them and all that they do each day. We make it our business to be involved in every aspect of their lives. We're coming from a place of possession. I see this so often in mothers. They're consumed by this. They're leaning so far in that it's surprising that they have not fallen over. I want to walk around the outside of school buildings with a megaphone shouting, step away from your child. Yeah, that's a whole jibber No, that's that's awesome advice. So how did you how did you get from the enmeshed to the person you are right now who can give that advice? Right. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I started some yoga classes. I think I had maybe taken some of it before. I wasn't, I really actually didn't believe in it. I didn't really like it. I didn't like the idea of touching my toes. I certainly did not like the idea of sitting with myself and being quiet. (laughs) All things which I now know are vital. And I had started taking some yoga classes. I think at that point, maybe they were both in school or preschool. I think my daughter maybe, so three, five. And the transformation for me was super slow, but it started to be all the stuff that I did off the mat using the skills that I learned on the mat, right? So the present where moment awareness, right? Which obviously as a yogi for yourself, you, you, the moments on your mat doesn't happen the whole time, but there's yeah. moments that you're fully present in the breath, mind is clear, right? So yeah. you give yourself a chance to be still. And so I just started, I was going, I think, every Thursday morning for about six years or so, I, I, I would go to this yoga class. And it was the feeling afterwards and the feeling of being so much more aware of my own body, how my natural stance was holding my breath. Yeah. Doesn't yep. serve you. My natural stance was full on anxiety and tension. I never knew that. It's like that I had to peel back the layers of suddenly you know, you're, I'd be like, feel like I'm relaxing. I'm making a cup of tea or cutting vegetables and my shoulders are up here. My jaw is tense and I had no idea. So like I said from before, I was really ahead walking around <laughs> with yeah. this body underneath that I had no, no connection to. And I grew through my yoga, on my yoga mat to really like myself again and really kind of love, fall more in love with myself as imperfectly as I am, as, yeah. you know, all bits of me, where my mind goes, how I am, what I, what matters. I didn't realize I was an empath at all. Meanwhile, I've been soaking up people's energy since babyhood <laughs> of my yeah. own, right? Yeah. And so that was all the, the tie in. And then I realized how simple but difficult it is to be fully present, first for me and then for my children. Yeah. And that was a big change around in how I parented. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing transformation. And I came to yoga much later than you did. And I was like an athletic person before then. Mm -hmm. And for me, the most shocking thing was to coordinate breath with movement in that really controlled way, which I had never done before. And I had a really hard time doing. I was really Mm -hmm. surprised that it was so hard to do that. But it is, you know, the breath work is so powerful and it is this dual connection between mind and body where body can dramatically affect mind. And you, Mm. you don't really think of it that you don't really think of it as a two way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to sort of the yogi part of things, the more I liked myself, the more I showed up as a kinder mom. Right. The yeah. more I could be when I say parenting is more about me, I bring the energy into the room. I come in as a bitch. 
nobody's really being very nice, right? Yeah. And and I'm not talking about <clears throat> ever perfection. I am so far from perfect, beyond imperfect, beyond imperfect, that realizing that I actually, through my own energy, can change a whole situation. How I respond to something changes the whole situation. You know, being caught up in like kids are really annoying and they're full on and they trigger you in all kind of ways, all the way from little babies who don't want to sleep all the way up to teens slamming doors and their life choices. It's a continual learning, but it all starts with me. That was a, one of the biggest changes, I think, of the that yoga really was the catalyst for me for that. Yoga was my therapy, I guess, to know myself more, to realize, you know, a certain twist or a certain thing. I, I could just be bursting into tears and crying and I wouldn't know why. But my body was just like, oh, thank God. She's just finally letting this bit go, letting this bit go. Yeah, that that's amazing. And becoming embodied is a is a yeah. huge deal, right? That has a dramatic mm. effect on who you are in the world and how you show up and I agree with you that it is, it's easy to be overwhelmed as a parent, right? There's lot, lots going yeah. on. And I don't know how universal this characteristic is, but to take on the emotional, <laughs> emotional content of your kids' moods mm-hmm. feels very natural to me. It feels like a the thing that you would do. Yeah. But that's a, that's a tricky thing to do. And then you're not in your own body and then you, you know, you're yeah, reactive. You're, you're- Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, having the compassion too. I mean, the, the yoga I studied was called Kripalu yoga. And that's what I eventually went and had my teacher training in. And that's really my embodiment is really about self-compassion, compassionate self-acceptance. And I would imagine practically everybody, I'll speak just for myself though, there's a feeling of unworthiness that comes with us from childhood yep. through divorce. I'm, I'm very aware of that. Just the having parents two people like nobody we're all figuring it out right? yeah, <laughs> so having yeah. compassion from them and compassion for myself and you know being able to say sorry I messed up and being able to say okay guys I'm out of here I need a time out you I just can't handle the emotions and I, I even to this day I find that the hardest part to keep myself separate from them not detached but yeah, yeah. separate that yeah you know, feel, filling my own energy field, working on rooting down. I'm all in my head and I'm stressed. And I realize I, in honoring of myself, I, I can't cope with a lot in one time. Now I'm a pretty strong person now and there's lots going on in my life and that obviously loads of ups and downs and huge big things. But I really, for me, I need to keep coming back to me in order to be able to sort out a problem, deal with a death, deal with, you know, money issues, deal with marriage, you know, and, and for that, it's the honoring of myself again. That ha- that has to be the change. I can't change who, who this child is. Yeah. I can do my damnedest, but really if I see them in the light of love, just on their own journey and their own experience, I felt for me a huge weight lifted. Like I don't actually have to f- figure it all out. Very subtle. I don't have to figure it all out for everybody. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I actually, they, they, they can figure that out for themselves. And the best I can do is lead by example. Yeah. You know, and again, not in perfect ways. Like if I don't, if everybody feels like they're being really unkind, okay, hey, have a look at yourself. Oh, I just realized I snapped at them and shouted at them and I'm not being very kind. Right. It's yeah. that kind of constant self awareness and reflection. Yeah. yeah. 
That that sounds like an amazing journey and an amazing thing that you're giving to other people through your coaching business. Thank you. So how can people find you? You're on the web? Yeah, my biggest place that I hang out and offer different solutions and things would be on Instagram as Yogi Parenting Coach. Yeah, that's kind of the main one. I do have a website and things, but I'm just not very active. I need all those things sorted out sometime. But I I like Instagram. So that's really where you'll see most of me and you can book with me and you can. I wrote a book about parenting from this place, how yoga changed the way I parent and get that on Amazon. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's super cool. Mm, Congratulations. You. And thank you so much for sharing your story. That's amazing. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad we connected. This yeah, is, me I, too. I think what you're doing is an awesome thing because we really need real authentic stories out there so that the next generation and the next generation are just able to speak about it without sugarcoating it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Thanks again to Anya for sharing both her birth stories and her journey through parenting and how yoga shaped her view and approach to parenting. I'm going to end this episode with two more excerpts from her book. She writes... Becoming a parent is a big old bumpy ride. The moment I think I've got something figured out, it all switches up again, and then I am again trying to figure it out from scratch. It's important to be told this before we become parents. It needs to be transparently said and not held back. It must be included in the preparation with having a baby, along with shopping for maternity clothes and buying the high chairs. It is only the honest truth of what's to come that will give us real expectations of what real life parenting is all about. Our kids are the longest relationships we will ever have. So I found that really moving. And one other thing I wanted to share is she in a little section she titled Yoga Doesn't Fix. She wrote, yoga in and of itself doesn't fix things. It didn't for me. It didn't change my circumstances, the deaths, sorrows, fears, or hardships. But it helped guide me to change how I responded to them. It gave me choices and allowed me to process some of it through my body and breath rather than my mind. Thanks again to Anya and thank you for listening. If you like the show, share it with friends and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another inspiring story.